Actually, if I've been to the country, I'll have a good story of it. Welcome to One Night in Bangkok. I'm Sav. I'm Charlie. And I'm MJ. And together, we're bringing you the crazy travel stories from around the world that never made it into the guidebooks. Cabin crew, prepare for takeoff. Hello, ladies. We are back and we've got a new game. How fun. We should say how we came up with this game, though. Charlie, you and I were interviewing our mate Caleb, and he's a bit of a wild card because he admitted to us before he started that he'd never actually heard an episode of any podcast, let alone ours. <laughs> so, uh, but red flag out- number one. <laughs> yeah, red flag number yeah. one. But it worked out for the best, right? It worked out awesome. So, I mean, it, it kind of was a bit weird. So, what we do is sometimes when we get guests on to give you a bit of a back end is that we kind of, you know, they've got a few stories that we can chat to them about. And sometimes we get on and you pick a story, you tell the story, we record, and then we get the next story. So, we had our list of stories for Caleb and I remember just being like, right, this one, go. And it was over in like two minutes and we're like, do you know how this fucking works? <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, naturally we had to ask him another one and that's kind of like where it went down and then, yeah, Sav, you said it best, like it, it just turned into this natural game and then he came up with it at, at one point. He said, this is kind of like a little game. I don't know if you called it Travel Lotto or not, but I think we we've just called, called it, it Travel Lotto. <laughs> <laughs> I think we christened it. If I recall it. correctly, I'm pretty sure I came up with the name, but... Ooh, um <laughs> <laughs> I am. I am. Take that, Caleb. (laughs) (laughs) He came up with the game. I came up with the name. Look, great teamwork. That's what we're here for. (laughs) And it's a great great game. We've got a multitude of stories from him and they're all hilarious and interesting. So came off without a hitch. So I thought it'd be really fun that we all play Travel Lotto with ourselves real quick. And what we'll do is we'll go around and I'm going to just put it on you straight away, no thinking about it. So MJ, you're up. Give us a story from Italy. Oh, uh, <laughs> this is just, <laughs> this is really pointless, but it just makes me laugh. Like, I just remember we did so much sightseeing in Rome. Like, I went to quite a few different places in Italy, but we went to Rome first. And I just remember we were walking around all day and then we got to the Spanish steps and I just looked at them and was like, nah, I'm not walking up there. <laughs> I just refused to go up there. And everyone and I just sat at the bottom so I don't know what it looks like up there they look nice from the bottom I don't know (laughs) I don't don't know why that came to mind either (laughs) I was so tired I was so tired anyway Sav I've got one for you Fiji let's go oh okay I've already told some of my Fiji stories though haven't I did I tell the one about the room name no. Oh, okay. No. I don't know so, who it is. <clears throat> we were in Fiji. I've told this part of the story before. It was my 18th birthday and me and five of my friends were there for like a week or whatever it was, 10 days, mm. and we're staying in this resort at Denarau Island, which is like the man-made island where all the resorts are, and this was like a timeshare property. So that's why it had come about because my mum and my stepdad had given me this accommodation for my birthday, right? Anyway, so we get there and it's five 18-year-olds. I'm pretty sure apart from me it was like everyone's first overseas trip and it was only not mine because I because my mum lived overseas so I was like constantly going back and forth anyway so we went a bit wild like as in duty free we all bought like whatever the limit was of liquor and then there's this photo of us just lined up on the countertop with like I don't know there's five people and 20 bottles of spirits something ridiculous like that anyway so as you can imagine we are putting things in the blender we're making cocktails from scratch just ad hoc we're like <laughs> blasting music we're just acting like typical like 18 year old annoying girls and to be fair i think like whoever made a cocktail at 18 and it was good do you know what i mean like <laughs> fucking shit that's what i mean like we just threw things in the blender like it wasn't i don't want to use the word cocktail it was like a, some sort of beverage like um i remember at one point someone just put poor poor i can remember this so vividly because the vomit that came up later was bright orange. So it was like poor, poor oh. vodka, like all of this stuff. Anyway, Ew. we ended up having like several visits from the general manager of this fancy timeshare resort because he was just like, right, <laughs> who's in charge here? And obviously I was because in my name. So I was like, 
hello, sir. <laughs> Drunk, hung over his fuck. He's like pretending to be like Professor 18. Oh, I know there's like broken Whoa. glass everywhere. Like the, the alcohol's still like poured all over the countertop, like disaster zone. Can't remember exactly what he said, but we're obviously in trouble. It got to the point where he said, you're on your last warning. I think this was like the third time he visited us. He was like, if I have to come here again, you're all being kicked off. So <laughs> better reel it in. <laughs> and then for ages, like our group chats and our like, I used that as my password for ages was like the number of our room because we were down at the restaurant a few <laughs> days later and one of the waiters goes, oh, <laughs> are you those girls from room I-202? <laughs> we were like... Like, yes, why? He's like, mm, thought so. <laughs> we became like notorious at this ridiculous timeshare in Fiji. 2004. All the staff members know you by room number. Oh, I know. Oh, we, we, we also, there's so many stories from this trip, but I'll just add because it's quite timely for anyone in Australia. That was the year that Port Adelaide won the grand final. And so me and my friend Alex were like, go. yeah. <laughs> Me and my friend Alex were like, found a way to drop that one, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> we're actually in a prelim this Saturday. I don't know if anyone's aware, but anyway. Um, no, they. we found this like tiny, tiny, like black and white, crappy quality TV screen. And I just remember her and I were like crowded around it in this bar. And um, that was the only premiership that I've seen from even through a shitty, shitty TV screen. But yeah, even in you know what though, it's going to be interesting because when this episode drops, that game would have played. So people listening are either going to be laughing at you or like like, cheering you on. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Or people just don't care. Don't know. But Venny, who's been on this podcast (laughs) before, he and I have a bit of a bet going because my team's playing his team. So uh, we'll see. One will be a winner and one will be a loser. What are you betting? Oh, it's really lame. I wish I hadn't said that now because it's hard. <laughs> the bet is just what? Like, it's really lame. The bet is just that uh, whoever loses has to buy like some sort of merch item from the other team and wear it around and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, how am I going to do that? Oh. Like where I am? I can't just order things where I live. But anyway, it doesn't matter because I'm not going to need to. Porter going to win. There, I'm calling it. going to look pretty dumb if they lose now, but I'm calling it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Right, Charlie, uh, I'm giving you Sri Lanka. Oh, oh. <laughs> I wish you she could just see her. Like you were face. about to throw up. I know, she literally looked like she was nauseous. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's too far, but anyway, when I was saying it, <laughs> I was traveling with this guy, just a friend, and then he couldn't stay. I might have mentioned this before. I think I have, and he couldn't stay at the hostel where I was staying at, so he had to stay at this other hostel. And it was kind of like a bit of a cracky hostel. Like, it was real real heavy bad drugs. Like, it wasn't good vibes. And now my friend, I don't know, he got a bit caught up in it, and it was really concerning. And, like, they were just doing, they were doing lots of ketamine there, and that's fine, whatever, each to their own. I've definitely done it, so that's fine. But this is where the line kind of got drawn in the sand. <laughs> He came up to me and he was like, Charlie, we need to go. We need to get out of this town. We need to leave these people because we were actually on the bus with them to the next destination and we stopped because these people had to pick up like a thousand Valiums. It was bad. We were like, who are these people? Why are we with them? This is not good. We were literally at a KFC and we were like, let's run away. We ran away from them. <laughs> we were in this place is called Gaul or Gaul or something and uh, and we just found a random place to stay that night and we ran away and the reason being so my friend said to me, he's like, we need to get out of there. I've just had Hezket. And I was like, what's Hezket? And he said, it's heroin and ketamine. And I said, <gasps> oh, oh, fucked. Oh, <laughs> that's why. <laughs> the fact that they have to call it Hezket as well, like to make it not no. sound as like, I don't know, as jarring know as what joke. heroin sounds like. <laughs> no, no, I know we all joke. That's why I was so fun. hesitant. I was like, it's fucked up. And that's why I felt looked sick on my face because I was like, <laughs> I don't even know if I can say it, but that's the first thought, unfortunately, that comes to mind when you just threw Sri Lanka at me. Oof. Thank you. <laughs> you were reminded of his kid. His <laughs> kid. That is horrific. Oh, God. Ooh. Anyway, let's move on. I need to get out of that situation right now. <laughs> let's get into the real Travel Lotto game. <laughs> yes. Let's go.
Hello, Caleb. Welcome to One Night in Bangkok. Well, it is my pleasure and honour to see and hear both of you. Oh, yeah, we're, we're so happy to have you. We've here. missed you. Oh, everyone does. We definitely Top are. In line. <laughs> so, Caleb, we really want to hear about this story you've got from when you went to Lollapalooza. Um, when did you go to Lollapalooza? Let's start from the start. How'd you end up there? So, I mean, if I'm, a lot of people will know I work for Flight Centre and one a pretty amazing familiar with Korean Air. And it was, you know, business class flights, five-star Ecom, the whole kit and caboodle. It was actually the second year I'd won it in a row. I won it the year before to go to Canada. This year's trip was to Lollapalooza in Chicago. So, yeah, flew into Chicago with Korean and we were staying in a beautiful hotel in the city and we had VIP passes. So, you could just go to all these little bars and restaurants all around the side. You could go by buggy, like they'd just pick you up and take you wherever you wanted to go. So, like it was just sick, unbelievable. And, you know, I'm a friendly, happy, you know, enjoy the sun kind of festival-y kind of guy. So, I was obviously drinking throughout the day and having a good time. And sometimes you lose track, you know, like you're having such a good time that you lose a little track. The day went on anyway. We all poured home later that night into our beds, probably one or two in the morning. We ended up at some karaoke bar after the festival. Great memories. And then wake up in the morning and just, you know, how you lays in bed and you're hungover and you're thinking, God, I've got to go do that festival again. Do I order room service? Do I vomit? And then my <laughs> phone starts blowing up and everyone's like, turn on the TV, turn on the TV, turn on the TV. And there I am being interviewed on NBC News, just me, (laughs) one-on-one, with a interviewer camera person at Lollapalooza in the middle of the festival, 45-second interview on TV. I messed up and said Chicago was in Iowa instead of Illinois. Um, I just was absolutely belted drunk and I'm watching myself on the news and everyone's seeing it and absolutely wild. Then someone posted the photo that I think you've seen, which is just a screenshot of the TV in the morning with my face there on the middle of NBC News, which got posted on Facebook and then everyone went trying to find a link and then the link got found buried in the NBC website. And so (laughs) it just went on and on and on from there. So it's buried somewhere on my Facebook, but you do not expect to wake up and find yourself on national television. No. No, that is actually my worst. Like having been to some music festivals, that is my worst nightmare. Like, the, like <laughs> yeah, the, waking up the next day and like checking your phone. Oh, who did I message? Who did I call? Like, no, you spoke to NBC live on national television. Like, and <laughs> broke the biggest festival of all festival rule of all time. Never at a festival go to a photographer or a film crew. Never stay away. <laughs> I mean, I don't even remember doing it. I vaguely remember it. The, a couple of the other girls on the trip were like just standing on either side of me, grinning, thinking it was hilarious. And yeah, <laughs> it wasn't. Yeah. It was not my finest moment looking back, especially forgetting what state I was in. Oh. <laughs> Do you remember what year it was and who was headlining? Uh, we're talking maybe 14, 15. I definitely remember seeing Eminem. I definitely remember seeing, oh gosh, there's been so many festivals in between. (laughs) I definitely remember seeing NBC, um, some karaoke bar at the very back of the Drake. Um, I don't remember. It was a, it's a hazy trip. And you know what? Right after that, they flew us to New York for another three days of just like, you know, not recovering from a four day festival, three days, I forget which, but keep going in New York for another three days. So those Korean air for meals were the ones to get on in the day. Goodness me, they treated you well. Yeah, that sounds so lush, obsessed. Right, Caleb. So I hear you had a bit of an issue in Serbia once or got trying to get to Serbia, something along the lines of smuggling. <laughs> I think by Serbia, you mean Siberia? (laughs) Maybe. And doesn't one letter make the whole world of difference in a sentence? Like it literally can throw the entire world off. Yeah, I do mean Siberia, actually. Just cross-checking my notes here. (laughs) Siberia. (laughs) Just made my call to my manager just to check what the hell is going on with this running script. (laughs) The best part about that is that you you weren't like you you still thought about it. You were like, did I have an issue getting into Serbia? <laughs> like, it wasn't I mean, like, oh, I, I definitely have had an issue going into a fair few countries. Uh, there's a very good chance one of them could have been Serbia. I couldn't think of one off the top of my head, but I think the one you're talking about. So remember, we used to sell a little product called Vodka Train. Yes. Oh, the Vodka Train. The Vodka. Can you train, explain a little bit for the listener what it is? Different versions. So you know. 
being able to go across land the entire way from Asia to Europe, which has always been like, you know, one of just general travel bucket lists for society as a whole, I guess. And so, yeah, the vodka train is basically different versions of the Trans-Siberian where you could start in, you know, Beijing or Mongolia or Vladivostok and you usually end up somewhere over, you know, in St. Petersburg or Moscow or you could go through all the stands in different versions of it as well. So it's usually like three to four weeks and the vodka trains like a Kentucky in that particular area aimed at young travellers. So yeah, me and my best mate did a vodka train. Did I ever talk about this with you, Charlie? No, I haven't heard this. Go on. Oh, it is literally one of the greatest trips you will ever do. If just being isolated on a train in the middle of absolutely nowhere for three days is your idea of heaven, like it's just so strange and bizarre and fascinating. Um, So we've been on the train and it was me and my best mate and two American dudes, Charlie and Jerry, and they were both sort of simple farm boys. And we'd all been out for about six or seven hours in this train station while we were trying to cross the border from Mongolia into Siberia. I can't remember the name of the town. I'm sure it was something dusty as as pretty much everything in Mongolia is. Wonderful place, but very, very dusty. So, we've been just mopping around the platform for like six hours waiting for all the border formalities formalities to be done. And I think they had to like change something with the tracks as well for the train to go forward. So, we're all sitting in our carriage back. We've got our passports back. We're just sort of sitting waiting for things to happen. And then Charlie, one of the American dudes, is just sort of sitting there grinning, holding this sort of bag in his hand. And we're like, Charlie, what's going on? What is that? What have you got there? Why are you grinning? Why do you look like Alf? Um, and he's like, oh, just some dude at the station gave it to me. I think it was a gift. So, I'm just hanging on to it. And we're like, a gift? We're crossing the border oh! dude, into <laughs> Siberia. Like, what sort of gift do you think you're getting at this train station? Like, a gift hasn't been given in this town since 1943 and you think you're getting one. Um <laughs> So, we all just go ghostly wide imagining what's in this thing and we open it up and it's like sausages, you know, those big, dirty, red, not like a throw a sausage on the barbecue in Australia, like Like those really- A worst kind of one. Like like a a worst, yeah. Yeah, It was like one of the best of the worsts. It was like about four or five of them and enormous and we're like, oh my God, like you cut open these things, there's going to be cocaine, there's going to be heroin, like no idea. So- We're thinking the worst and they're coming into each carriage. Like we can hear the security guards coming into each carriage, checking everyone's passport one last time. Everyone's looking at everyone going, what do we do? Do we hide them? Do we try and run? Like blah, blah, blah. We can hear them getting closer. They're in the carriage next door. There's like German Shepherd dogs coming as well. Oh, I've never sweated so much in my life. I'm like, open the bloody window, throw them out. And the other boys are all looking at me going, throw them out. Like, what do you mean? We can't just oh my God, the window, but it was sort of too late as he was trying to pull it down to throw them out the window. The security guards all came in and like, so we all just had like rushed to sit down, holding up books upside down, pretending we were the most innocent people <laughs> in the world. <laughs> Charlie's got the sausages in his on his legs still wrapped up in paper and the security guards are just looking suspiciously at us all. We're all sort of holding our passports. The dog is growling at Charlie and <laughs> They're just sort of talking to each other in, I guess, some form of Russian or Siberian. No one really knows what's going on. And then he asked for one of our passports. I can't remember whose. And then the dog's like going right up to Charlie because it's obviously smelling the sausage and it's right up in his crotch, like sort of barking. And then the guard comes and Charlie's like looking at us as if, what do I do? Like, And we're like, we can't help you, dude. This is all on you. And so he literally unwrapped the paper bag and held out the sausages like he was holding out a Christmas present and just sort of said, sausage? Like he was offering them one. (laughs) And then we all just froze and we just didn't know what was about to happen. And then the guards like just froze as well. But then they all started pissing themselves laughing. And then we were like, oh my God, thank God. We're not sure why, but we started pissing ourselves laughing as well. And the German Shepherd dog was just looking from person to person, really confused, but sort of started sticking its tongue out and sort of looked like it was laughing too, because it wanted to join in on the action. (laughs) So it was all fine in the end. Like these guys were fine, checked our passports and went on their way. And then like later, like an hour later or so, the guy who had given Charlie these sausages came back to pick them up from our cabin and they literally were just sausages. Apparently there's some sort of like actual meat limit of how much you can take across the border. So they distribute <laughs> meat amongst the different cabins. Meanwhile, we think as you're crossing into Siberia, it's probably going to be heroin or who knows what else. Um, <laughs> yeah. It was rough. Oh, my God. Yeah, wow. I wish he'd given you a sausage as, like, a thank you because all of that stress, you would at least hope you would get to eat some of this worst. It sounds like a good sausage. I kind of want it. I don't even know what we did get out of it. Like, we must have gotten a sausage <laughs> at the time. Like, sausage just <laughs> flowed freely between cabins. Sausage and vodka. You could have either of those things at any time of day or night. Is this the same trip you mentioned that in Mongolia you drove an army tank? Is this the same trip? 
Oh my god, that is the exact same trip. Yes. <laughs> What happened? How the hell did you end up driving an army tank? You know you're in a country and you're staying in hostels and you're in dorms and you're just hearing whispers of something a little bit different, a little bit special. And yes. you hear it from one person here in, like, Frankfurt and then you hear it from another person in Berlin and then someone in Hamburg mentions it. It's just like a whisper passed along backpackers. So we'd heard this whisper of this mysterious guy in Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia named Bolad who, <laughs> if you could find him, he would take you to an abandoned army military base in the middle of the Gobi Desert where you could drive an army tank do anything you wanted, basically. We're like, you know, it's one of those ones that sounds a little bit like Leonardo DiCaprio in the beach. It's a little bit beachy for my liking, but we're like, you know what, let's give it a go. We crawled through the back streets of Ulaanbaatar and walked up the fourth floor of an old crumbling communist apartment building and knocked on a door and a scrunch-faced babushka answered and we were like, I don't think we have the right place. And then Bolod <laughs> appeared from behind her and Bolod was literally... Bigger than Mount Kosciuszko, like he was just an absolute mountain of a man, knew what we were talking about, a solid 250 American dollar bills in his hand, did it. He was like, be back here at 9.30 tomorrow morning. So we were, and two hours ride through the Gobi Desert, and we, fair enough, pull up to a, an abandoned sort of complex, and then start hearing thunder, which is weird, because it hasn't rained in Mongolia for 43 years, and <laughs> it, out comes this army tank. And out pops a guy out the top of it, and then we can just get in one by one and drive it around the countryside. So, yeah, we could buy, like, ammunition to shoot guns. One of the dudes actually shot an AK-47, like, and the whole world just exploded. Like, it was just wild. Literally exactly what had been whispered, a middle of nowhere, Gobi Desert, abandoned US military base where you could drive an army tank, shoot whatever you wanted, and yeah. But how, but how did you find this guy? I mean, come on, how many bolods could there be in Ulaanbaatar? <laughs> Were you asking around that? Like, where's Bolod? Like, what's <laughs> like? Some of the details are actually a little fuzzy. Like, I just, I'm not <laughs> sure. Like, you're like, good question. How the fuck did I find Bolod? <laughs> Again, it wasn't like I was probably looking on Google Maps at the time. Like, I don't even remember if I was travelling with a phone. But like, yeah, I must have had a phone. But it might have been like a Nokia 6410. I never remember. Oh no, it wasn't that long ago. This is like 2010, 11. No, I would have had a phone by then. Okay, so how did we find Bolod? I have no idea. We must have been given instructions. <laughs> in those whispers in the hostels, it came with a little note of directional instructions, I guess. And so I also really would love to hear about your completely unprepared trip up to Mount Fuji. <laughs> so when you're a guy and you're traveling with your best mate, it's kind of like always a little bit of a game of one-upsmanship. You know what I mean? Like if he does something good, I've got to do something better the next day and vice versa. So we had a lot of like, still my best mate to this day. So even though we traveled together for a year, like, you know, you have a lot of ups and downs and ins and outs, but then sometimes you get other people involved. And so we're randomly in a hostel in, I believe, Kyoto. And these two Scottish girls, quite thick, both of body and of brogue, and they were um, <laughs> they were talking about how they were just back from climbing Mount Fuji and how much fun they'd had. And we sort of looked at each other and we were like, oh, if these chicks can do it, we can do it as well. Bearing in mind as well that it was July or early August. So it's still the middle of summer. So, you know, during the days we're going around in like, you know, shorts and a light sweater in Kyoto, the weather's quite nice. We're like, we'll find our way up to Mount Fuji, we'll climb the beast, we'll be cool as hell. And so, I don't know, we caught bullet trains and taxis and made it all the way. And so, I was literally, oh my God, I was literally wearing a FCUK white, like, zip jacket with red, like, surf lifesaver board shorts over the top of black, like, <laughs> leggings. And Ben, my best mate, was wearing a very similar outfit as well. Like, we didn't come with any money. We'd pretty much left all our money sort of down at the bottom. We didn't think we'd sort of need it. We didn't come prepared. Like, literally all we had was our phones, what we were wearing. I can't even remember us having anything else apart from that. We may have had a torch for some reason, which we thought to bring. Water? Didn't have sweaters. We had, yeah, we had water. So, that's literally all we had. This taxi driver drops us off and we think we're in the wrong location. Like, there's no one else around. It's so quiet. It's so dark. We later found out it's because everyone else sensible had already departed on this trek four hours earlier to get there sort of before <laughs> sunrise. We were told this was, like, really, really easy and, like, people's grandmothers did it. So, anyway, we start this walk and I'm like, I'll be damned if anybody's grandmother did this. Like, 
it was like vertical up and down through crevices and the higher you went it was just getting freezing and freezing and I'm literally wearing like I'm pretty sure what were women's tights over surf life-saving board shorts <laughs> I don't know what we were thinking we were going to, but like I think we had in our heads that it was a lot easier, easier than it was. And every time we'd walk past people or people would walk past us, they'd just look at us like we were from an absolute another planet and we just didn't belong, which clearly we didn't. We got to the top and I think either Ben or I woke up with the other one spooning, singing Cats in the Cradle. It was so cold <laughs> and just sad that you needed a little bit of an emoji moment at the top. But, you know, the view was spectacular. You could see over the entire like we were above the clouds like the clouds were below us and just this amazing sunrise and i think we were lucky enough that some sort of nice young early 20s maybe british private school kids bought us some hot coffees seeing how unprepared we were they took a bit of pity on us so it was a little bit nice but um allow dramatic things that you prepare to undertake have a little bit of pre-planning involved i was gonna say it's sort of like we both were so on the whole entire time we were away not too much planning don't book too much in advance let's just go day by day see how we feel move place to place and so yeah you want to sort of maintain that spontaneity i guess in some respects it sounds like the lack of planning made it more of an adventure like if you'd planned that properly and then had like your stock standard trip you wouldn't be sitting here telling the story so in that yeah a hundred percent and it's one of my traps i'm not i don't i remember things by uh smell i'm i'm very particular in that way like so photos i've never been a big photo taker i never take stunning photos i'm no jed that's for sure (laughs) but one of my best ever photos i took was on top of mount fuji and it's literally us doing like that toyota ad jump like absolute dwarf but you know behind (laughs) us there's just the clouds and you can see the sun rising and the lighting's just setting and i'm like this is like an amazing moment with my best mate on top of a mountain something we were so unprepared for that's a cute as fuck memory you know what i mean like yeah that's yeah that's one where the actual visual memory of it that I have matches up with the one photo I have, which is really nice because that doesn't happen very often. Yeah, super special. MJ and I, the other host of this podcast, we just went on a Scottish road trip and we were going to do Ben Nevis, which is the highest summit in the UK. And we just were telling our friends, oh, we're doing Ben Nevis, we're doing Ben Nevis. And everyone was like, do you understand what Ben Nevis is? And we just were like, (laughs) same thing. We're like, oh, we can do Ben Nevis. I had packed like, they were like, dress pants like it was like (laughs) you would iron them like i was like why the fuck have i packed these for ben nevis like there was a nice bar halfway through the trip yeah literally uh (laughs) so we decided not to do ben nevis we take a more low-key hike because we were pretty hungover as we were doing it we were just looking at ben nevis in the distance and we're like are we were we gonna fucking do that that fucking mountain and then we did a cruise that afternoon and the guy on the cruise said anyone that wants to do ben nevis you got to make sure you've got ice picks and like like, we were like, ice picks? We were like, I was going to wear my dress pants and iron them. <laughs> Here I am buying ice picks to climb Everest. Like, what the hell is going on? Do you think, do you know what? Is it a sort of particular Australian thing? Like, is it a quality that we have? We're like, we live in Australia. We've got the most dangerous everything, nature, earth, animals, surf, everything wants to kill us. We can deal with anything you want to throw at us other motherfucking countries, you know what I mean? So we just don't think that anyone else's nature is going to overwhelm us. Yeah, you know what, you make a good point because even when I was just in Portugal, I was at the beach and being in the ocean and one of the girls I was with, she was French and she was like, do you think there's jellyfish in here? And I was like, who cares? She's like, well, can't they kill you? And I was like, yeah, but what, like, you know, what are you going to do? Fucking might as well swim. Like, it's that attitude. You're just so used to it. It doesn't really We just have anyone. a really fatalistic attitude towards dangerousy sort of, you know, adventure ridiculous nature kind of scenarios and you just don't pre-plan like you should because you're like, oh, yeah, I've got this. But yeah, also, exactly. no one's grandma has climbed up that mountain, I swear to God. Like, <laughs> I don't know how tall Mount Fuji is, but she's a bit of a beast, like, dude. Then on the way back down, we meet these two old guys who were just like, 85 years old and they were like when they were teenagers they climbed mount fuji to see who would get the top first to win the affections of a girl and then really? the girl was long gone by this stage like she never lasted with either of them but every year they would meet back at mount fuji and climb it together and they hadn't missed a year and so these old guys were like 70 and literally they're on their way down like they'd already been up seen the sunrise like on their way back down i'm like something's missing in this equation like how are these people doing that so easily obviously i had to push both of them off the mountain Obviously. (laughs) So, Caleb, is this the same trip that you had sex in a capsule? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's actually only only about a week before. 
Um, <laughs> Can you explain what a before. capsule is? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tell uh, us about the capsules because I would never, from what I know about them, but give us, yeah, tell us a little bit about them. Neither of you guys have ever slept in a capsule bed? I was, it's no, not, I never did it when not. I went. Nah. I mean, it's the, only place, there, it's the only place I've ever come across one. It's basically like sort of sleeping in a set of drawers or like, you know, a sort of set of morgue drawers even. It's just like a big wall. I was going to say like a coffin? Ev- yeah, like <laughs> a coffin. It's just like a big wall and everyone's got their own sort of like – I guess it doesn't pull out so much, but it's like a bed. You get into your own like sort of – you get into your own capsule, I guess. It's just like you're in a you like you're in a coffin, except at one end there's a curtain where you can get in. It felt like I was giving birth, like literally every time I got it in and out of that <laughs> thing. It's so strange. I'm sure it was not a, an attractive look for whoever else was in the room. Um, that was a strange night. Oh, so Ben, my mate, tried to get a blind guy to play cards with us. To be fair, he didn't know that he was blind, but but. This guy was having a drink just over at the window by himself, and Ben's like, oh, hey, mate, come and have a game. Come play with us. And he didn't reply for obvious reasons. Ben's like, again, come play cards. Come over. And then, like, we took a few goes, and he's like, oh, dude, like, are you talking to me? He's like, yeah. He's like, oh, sorry, I'm blind. I wouldn't be much good at cards. It just started this, like, ridiculous comedy of errors my mate just kept making that night. I sort of, oh, I can't even go down this rabbit hole of how ridiculous it was, but... Yeah, I ended up meeting this girl that night who he also almost ruined completely through his foolishy. And somehow we made it back to my capsule bed and uh, the mechanics of the act are appalling. Like, I just can't even imagine how. Like, there is not enough space for one person in there. So <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, literally. How, like, I, I actually, like, how? Ben said literally the entire night he just heard giggling like a tip mouse. <laughs> I assume it was a lot of sake and a lot of Sapporo beers later. I Yeah, I don't remember much of the night. He said it sounded like a lot of fun. We all hung out the next day together. So, yeah, you know. But it's it's literally kind of like, why do I remember it pulling out like a drawer? I don't know if I'm actually remembering that or am I just making that up? Like, I've watched too much Law & Order SVU. Um, <laughs> my that sister-in-law to this day is... My sister-in-law to this day still calls it Law and Order SUV. I'm like, no, this is not a show about soccer mums <laughs> taking their kids to practice in their Jeeps. Not SUV, SVU. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, can't, I don't know if it's a memory or if I've made that one up. I can't promise either way. Well, as soon as we asked, you straight up, that was your first point. You said, yeah, it's like being in a drawer. I was like, is it? I literally <laughs> so have a memory of literally all these drawers being pulled out. But then I also remember a curtain because I remember my fe- – I mean, obviously, I'm six foot – almost six foot three. I feel like I remember my feet popping out the end, like just dangling out <laughs> underneath a curtain. So, I don't know. Maybe it was two different hostels. Maybe it was both scenarios. Who bloody knows? Who bloody knows? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Sav, have you got any more to pull from from the list? Yeah, Caleb sent us a list of just like snippets of things and they're all amazing. But the one that caught my eye the most is a situation you found yourself in Finland. You Maybe you didn't have anywhere to sleep that night, so you had to kind of use your creativity to come up with a different solution. I feel like I want a game show, I, like maybe it's something to do with Finland. <laughs> you know what? That's actually a really fun game. Like if, like, let's say I'm on another yeah. version of this with you guys, like you just say a country and I have to say a story from that country. Like that's what I just yeah. felt like Ooh, that was. I that's like kind of that. cool. Yeah. Right? Let's do that yeah. after we hear this story. Let's throw a random country and see what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll Ooh, I it. like it. So, yeah. <laughs> ben and I randomly turned up on a ferry in Finland in Helsinki from Estonia. We were only going to be in Helsinki for one night because we had an onwards flight to Budapest the next day. So, we turn up on this super full ferry and we'd been trying to find accommodation like online and oh, so we must have been traveling with phones. Okay, cool. And there just didn't seem to be anything. And then we got talking to this uh, Finnish woman and she was on the ferry and she's like, oh, you're not going to find any accommodation. She's like, you can try when we get to the ferry terminal, but it's a national holiday in Finland. Like everything will have been booked for months, like nothing at all. And so, we try at the ferry terminal when we arrive, nothing. No, we're like, we'll have to go sleep at the airport. We'll just go sleep at the airport and then we'll catch our flight the next day. Fine. And then Toira finds us again and she's like, no, you can't sleep at the airport. It closes. They kick everyone out. They don't allow sort of vagrants to sleep there. We're like, all right, well, I guess we're sleeping here at the ferry terminal. She's like, nope, you are coming with me. And she just, (laughs) this is a middle-aged, like had to be 50s or 60s. Her name was Toira, middle-aged woman, just had met us on the ferry. And she's like, you'll come with me. You'll come stay in my home. 
We're like, okay. This guy pulls up and looks at us really suspiciously. We get into some little, like, I'm sure Skoda sort of scenario and drive off through the suburbs of Helsinki and turn up at her place and... She says, here, I have a sauna like everyone in Finland does. And we jump in the sauna and she's pouring shots. So, apparently, she has some liver or kidney illness that she can't drink at all. And so, this was considered a special occasion. So, she was drinking shots and wanted the alcohol in her you know, house to be drunk because there were two young boys here and blah, blah, blah. And we're having a great old time. So, we sat up and we're finally like at about 1am. We're like, we've got to go to bed. We've got to be up at 7 o'clock for our flight. Thank you so much. And she was like, yeah. So, when she was traveling... She found herself in a tricky situation. I forget what country she said it was. And some strangers had been kind for her and took her in. And she always said that she would repay the favor one day if she ever got to, you know, pay it forward. Starring Helen Hunt and Hayley Joel Osment. Never forget. Um, (laughs) So, she paid it forward to us. And, yeah, let us stay at her place. So, yeah, we woke up at like six the next morning and had to go to the airport. Obviously, we didn't want to wake her. So, we just stole as much of the stuff as we could from her apartment. We were on our way. <laughs> and Caleb, have you paid it forward yet? Oh, that's I can't look ex- look before you answer, I can't imagine you doing that for anyone. Me? Not in a bad way. I just can't imagine you picking up a stranger and being like, come stay at my house. Would I'm you a selfish kind of jerk? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I get it. I mean I get it. I get it. I'll hear it again in my life, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> I, you know what? I mean, the places I've lived in since then in Sydney have been like a revolving door of people in and out. So, I'm sure I've, I've hosted my fair share of people on couches and in spare beds. That is for sure. Maybe not like a random, complete stranger that I've never met. Okay, so I'll do that. I'll, I'll add that to my list of things to complete by the end of the week. Nice. The Very week. good. The month. Quite soon. <laughs> yeah, give yourself, give yourself a month. We're locked down in Sydney now, doll. There's not much else we can do. Oh, yeah. so you definitely Bring won't be in. able to have anyone to come over. <laughs> yeah. I've got to ask as well, that, that ferry from Estonia over to Helsinki, was it a riot mm. for you? Because I've heard that it's like a massive party a lot of the time. Strangely enough, that is 100% true. Like they are, I feel like heaps of... Finnish go to Estonia because alcohol is tons cheaper there. So they literally catch the ferry and go over for the day to buy alcohol to bring back. And then they, I think, like I might be getting that back to front or something, but it's something along those lines. And then everyone just gets rollicking drunk on these ferries. Like it's not the longest ferry ride. Like it's only three or four hours from memory. Yeah. It literally could be eight hours. It also could be one. My memories of this (laughs) trip are foggy at best. But yeah, I definitely remember it being a wild time on this ferry and just being again, enveloped. That's the second time I've used the word enveloped in this conversation. Um, (laughs) Enveloped in just the warmth of everybody on board who was just there to have a good time. And that's, again, that's that sort of travelling moment that you don't get that often where you just, you sort of transcend the barrier between cultures and you just somehow fit into something that's going on. Like, again, those moments, sort of like what I was talking about before with the photo actually matching what the moment feels like to me. Again, those moments where you envelop yourself into something a bit bigger than anything else around you is really, really sweet. All right. You had a really good idea before and I think we should roll with it. We're going to throw you a country and you tell us a tidbit from that country. A tidbit. I would love to share a tidbit. <laughs> Sav loves that word. She always says it. tidbit. I feel like it's a word that makes your mouth move in ways that also for women putting on mascara makes their mouth move. Yes, tidbit. <laughs> like, you know how anytime a lady puts on mascara, she has to make that yeah. weird face mouthy thing? Like, yeah. it's impossible to not do. Yeah, tidbit yeah. sort of does the same thing to your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right, Charlie, give us a country. What should you give Alrighty. me a country that I haven't been to as well? I guarantee it. Oh, well, I yeah. know. Well, that might happen. And I'm going to go with a country that hasn't been in those in that list you gave us. So it's going to be hopefully mm-hmm. something that we don't know. I'm not going to cheat. Okay. Gotcha. Cambodia. Ugh. I went on a boys <laughs> trip to Cambodia probably about five or six years ago. There were six or seven of us who went and it was all a group of boys who I'm still pretty good friends with. You girls actually probably know a few of them who were on that trip as well. Uh, It was a group of work boys. And it was a wild boys trip. But the very last couple of days, we'd been down at Sihanoukville on the beaches. The very last couple of days, we were in um, Phnom Penh. And I came down with something that I don't know what it was, as horrible as I've ever had. My whole body just was 
bubbles of welts and rash and sore and red and blotch and itch and ouch. Like there's a photo floating about somewhere like I've just exploded. (laughs) Yeah, I am. Like I was so like it's literally taken from behind, and I'm standing like I'm making a muscle, but I just look so bulbousy, like my whole body's so swollen. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, no, no. The word bulbous is the worst one yet. That is yeah, bulbous. It is bad, isn't it? Yeah, I take that back. But it stands puffy. Let's say I was a bit Vince (laughs) Vaughn-y. It was horrible. I ended up in hospital. I was on all sorts of medication. It ended up being like a mild form of dengue fever like that I recovered from pretty quick. But the rashes and stuff were all over my body for a good month or so afterwards. Like, completely fine now. You'd never know it was even there. But, yeah, once a year, as a reminder, that pops up in my memories on Facebook, that one photo with my rash. That was a sad Cambodia memory. I don't know. I don't think I'd be in the hugest rush to go back there. I think I would have other Asian really? preferences to visit of country-wise. Oh, I feel a total opposite about that place. But anyway, that's the joy of travel. All right, I'm going to hit you with another one. What about... That's a fun uh, game, right? Like, that's really... I like this game. Yeah, I think yeah, me, yeah play- this is good. So, what about Switzerland? <sighs> I mean, nothing too ridiculous or crazy has happened in Switzerland. I don't don't think anything too ridiculous or crazy ever happens in Switzerland, so I don't take it personally. (laughs) Um, (laughs) To be fair, it's just every single place you are in Switzerland, everywhere you look, everything you see, it's not real. Like, it looks like you're in a fairy tale. Like, it looks like it's been painted. You're in an artwork. It's just all so sublimely... And serenely perfect in its own way. Like, even every single cow with its bell is positioned in just the right lighting to enhance the way its bovine flexibility moves against the mountainous backdrop. Like, it's just, it's out of this world. Like, it blows me away like nowhere else on earth does in just natural beauty. What's the most natural beauty, beautiful place you've ever been to? No, I will just to back up what you were saying. I reckon when we're talking about photos and how it perfectly captures the essence of somewhere, the, the best photo I ever took was in Switzerland. It was from I was on a train, but it just so happened it was like not blurry at all. It was like a valley, like sound of the music style, green, lush valley, mountains in the background, bright blue sky, and then there was this church just perfectly positioned on the left of the photo and a few cows. Like it, like you said, it looked like a painting. It looked like it. it I can't even say it looked like a postcard. It was better than a postcard. Like. To just one of those – and you're right, the whole country looks like that. It's insane. And the weirdest part is you'll see your thing and you're like, this is amazing. You'll go around a corner and something makes it suddenly even better and then you'll go around another corner and suddenly it's blown away by the next thing. Like it's just <laughs> yeah. one uh, – it's like a 43-hour erection. Like if you are taking a train through that country, <laughs> it just – it doesn't end. Like it just is one after the other. It is intense. It is spectacular and it smacks you in the face with its beauty. Yeah, I'm yeah, going to say like Scotland, to be Viagra. honest. And, like, maybe biased because I'm here, but it's so underrated. Like, going around the highlands and those aisles, what the actual fuck? Because I instantly thought Canada and the Rocky Mountains, but then right. I remember feeling actually more impressed by the landscapes in, yeah, those areas of Scotland. It's fucking off its head. I can't even. So I good. can back that up. Like, just I think the other thing about Scotland is that it's it's just so varied. Like, you, you could drive from... On one day and you'll see like the first hour you'll see like the valleys and these lush green mountains and then the next minute you're on the Isle of Skye and it looks like more like a moonscape or there's like water. Yeah. It, it changes every hour like and, it, and it, they're all equally as beautiful but totally different. The photos from that road trip that we did, it looks like four countries in one. The only other one I'll add to this discussion, good segue by the way, I like this little side trip we've taken, is Papua New Guinea when I did Kokoda. That that place is just so naturally stunning that I just – and again, it's like you can actually immerse yourself in it because there's no Wi-Fi, no phones. It's just it's so weird to come across a village and just see the happiest people you'll ever meet live with nothing, like other than a couple of T-shirts and they've got their little church and that's it. And, and they're just always the happiest people just in, in this beautiful, naturally beautiful place. Oh, I really want to go there. My old housemate's a family background from PNG and he always speaks so highly of it and says stories of villages like that and it always sort of really appealed to me to go and visit one day. I'll have to do that. Would you do Kokoda? I think I would, you know, I mean, I'd potentially go check out PNG with him, but I think I'd be more going for just the experience of the culture and to see the country rather than 
Kokoda at this stage. It's not of particular appeal to me right now. Maybe it will be a little bit older. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know enough about Papua New Guinea to know how else you would experience it, but I can tell you that when you're on that trek, that's a really large part of it. Like you're trekking with locals, like all the guides are local, so you learn a, bit, a lot about them. I remember on my trek, this one guy, one of the porters, he we'd, we'd stopped for like a, a rest break and he whipped out a slingshot and I was like, what, what are you doing with a slingshot? And he's like, oh, we're, we're going to catch some dinner. And I was like, what? going to catch some I was like, okay, like I just looked, I just want, I just wanted to watch, so I just said nothing, and like I was like, Alexis, like they're catching dinner. I don't even know what that means. Like, what is what is happening? Anyway, sure enough, they end up using a slingshot to like hurl these rocks, like full Bart Simpson style, like the whole, like I've never even seen a real slingshot in my life before. So that that alone was like ridiculous to me, but full like Bart Simpson, these birds in a tree. It's <laughs> like this is like really beautiful birds, like like like. <laughs> I love how you think Ray Bart Simpson these birds. <laughs> I mean, but she's right. I mean, name another environment recently you've seen a slingshot. Like, that's the only no. reference any of us have. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I've got this photo to this day. One of the porters like so proud of this catch that he made and they roasted it that night and ate it. Like, what was my point of this? Did you try some? Oh, I think I was just saying. No, I did not try some. I no, but no. So you're getting that um, cultural immersion on the yeah, on the yeah, yeah. That's what I'm trying to well, say. And, so and to even speak. just yeah. the 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 villages that like we pass through. I can't even tell you how many. Like every single day, you pass through maybe three, four villages, and then most nights you camped either right beside a village or in within the village. So if the culture part of it's interesting, I mean, you're also really lucky to know someone from there. So I'm sure he could give you like similar experiences, but. It is a large part of what we did. Like it's, yeah, I got more out of that side than probably any other aspect of Kokoda. Sometimes you just got to pick somewhere, not necessarily because it's always been your bucket list or, you know, the most amazing cachet as a destination, but just because why the fuck not? Yeah. Yeah. I've got one. Can I use it? Go. Mm-hmm. Israel. Israel. Yeah. I've definitely been to Israel. Thinking of the story to tell. I guess for me, like, you know, I've got some Jewish background, obviously. Israel's a tempestuous situation right now with Palestine. I'm very even-handed. I, I see a lot of a lot of empathy on both sides of the story, and I think if everyone felt a bit of empathy, bit more empathy for both sides of the story than they'd tend to, if they're really heavily invested one way or another, then things would probably be better than they are. That's all I'll say politically-wise. But I thought for me it was important to not just go to Israel, but I also wanted to go to Palestine and So, yeah, I did. I made the effort to cross into Palestine and I remember it being a very long and involved and difficult and dangerous and kind of scary process. But, yeah, for me it was important and I just wanted to go in and wander around and talk to some people, which I did. And it was a very mixed bag of reactions. I got a lot of, you know, fuck yous and glares and, you know, gun fingers and those sort of things. So, it was a bit scary, but then I got a lot of lovely welcomes and interest and you know, interested that I was interested in them and, you know, like a lot of good chats. So, it was definitely very, very confronting, but that's probably my biggest memory that I take away from that area. Good on you for going to Palestine. I think a lot of people would, well, I don't know anyone else that's been, unless they're from Palestine or they've got family there. Right, let's go with another country. I am going to hit you with Argentina. Oh my God, yes, good. Like literally, if I've been to the country, I'll have a good story of it. I don't know if I attract it or I just enjoy it. I could be making this up, but I think there's a Pasha in Buenos Aires, Pasha the nightclub. It might be, it's one of the big chains. If it's not Pasha, it's one of the other ones. So we rented an apartment in Palermo. I was traveling with a bunch of other sort of Aussies and British people that we'd met along the way. We just kept collecting more and more people each city as we were traveling down the coast of Brazil. And we ended up, yeah, renting a huge apartment together in Palermo, ordering all sorts of fun things to come to the apartment. Getting absolutely messed up before going to, again, what I think was Pasha, but could have been one of the other big ones. I was super, super drunk, super, super everyone into everyone, everyone into everything, running amok. And I was in the bathrooms and I was in a store by myself. And then I get locked in. I try to get out, but the whole sort of lock comes off the door and the door gets stuck and I can't get out. And I'm sort of Because I'm so inebriated at the time, I think it's probably not a good idea to call for help in my state, so I need to figure this out myself. (laughs) So, at first, I'm trying to get myself out of it, but also it's Buenos Aires and it's the middle of summer and I'm really, really hot, so I think I've taken off my pants and my shirt as well just to make things easier on myself and I'm standing there in my underwear trying to get out and I can't and I can't and I can't and then eventually I start knocking for help and no one's coming and then 
Like my friends have been looking for me in the club for like, I've been in here for about an hour and a half by this stage. They can't open the door either. Like it's, I can't describe why it couldn't be open, but it was one from top to bottom, from roof to ceiling that just was wedged in so tight with the lock ripped off. They finally had like the security was there, managers were there. It was just all happening. I'd been trapped in this space that I, it was just a square. There was no like sea over the top or anything like that. I'd been in here for about two and a half hours off my head by now in Pasha or something similar. (laughs) Finally, they literally had to chop through the door with an axe to get me out and pull me out through that way. That's how bad it was. Here comes Johnny. (laughs) They're like, stand back, stand back. Imagine seeing that axe come through. That's fucking scary. It was literally Jack Nicholson in The Shining. Here's Johnny. Again, buried deep in my Facebook, there's a series of photos where it's axed through the door, then my head poking through the hole, then them pulling me out, everyone hugging me. Like, it was an emotional, <laughs> joyous reunion. Forget Ava Perone. I was the new king of the country. Yeah, I really do have to yeah, pick up some of these photos. We need them for the Instagram, Please. for sure. We'll put them up Literally, there. I mean, you're both friends with me on Facebook. Go into my albums and, f- like, there's literally, like, a, like a deep Europe dive. section, a Mexican section. Like, take whatever you like. You'll find the Japan photo I was talking about. There's literally one for that whole trip, which is where a lot of those stories tend to come from. Sav, hit us with one more. Uh, Canada. I found just the other day... I was going through some drawers at home during a quiet period, just doing a bit of a clean out. And I kept a lot of like memories, like old letters. You know, I come from a day before social media when people used to still write letters and notes to each other. So, I've got tons of that stuff. And I actually found a note I'd written to myself. I think it was sort of in a journal at the time. I didn't keep the journal, but I often pull things out of things and just sort of keep them. And I found a note that I'd written to myself. And it had the date in it. I can't remember what the exact date was, but it was Sunday, 3.43. I'm in the back of a van. I've been picked up off the side of the road hitchhiking by strangers. I'm driving from Banff where I've been living for the last month, having a great time in the snow and meeting new people. I'm going down to Calgary to go to a party with University of Calgary people. We're going out to a bar. It's going to be meeting a lot of new people. I'm with a bunch of new friends. I'm in the back of this panel van. I've just been picked up on the side of the road hitchhiking. This is as good as life gets right now. Like it was a note that I'd written to myself like this. And it literally to this day, it was like, it was after that very first time I was overseas summer camping. And I said, we'd done a trip afterwards. It was on that trip. And it was sort of right towards the trip coming to an end. And yeah, just, I was only probably like 21 or 22, but having the balls to hitchhike in a country and just get in a van with strangers and was with other friends. And it was just a beautiful day. I was going from somewhere that was perfect. I was coming from somewhere perfect and I was going somewhere that was going to be perfect and so much fun. Like it was just the happiest I'd ever felt in my life at that stage. It was like one of those perfect moments. Yeah. It yeah. makes me want to start writing things down more. Like, cause I ima- imagine oh, like we you say know, you have these the moments. Time. I know, but I, I need to start doing it because it's true. Like in 10, 15 years from now, like especially pre – exactly what you said, pre-Facebook, pre-Instagram, having your memories captured that way. And, you know, I, I still think it's nicer to have it fr- straight from your brain in that moment. How good. A hundred percent. So, Caleb, at the end of our chats, we ask our guests the same question. And it's a little bit different, I guess, because – We've got lots of little snippets from you. So I guess what I want to ask you, tidbits. (laughs) (laughs) I guess my question for you would be if someone is wanting to travel, just say maybe they were young like yourself and were kind of wanting to go out for the first time, what advice would you give them? Oh, were young like myself, not am young like myself. Got it. You know what? Buy the ticket take the ride at the end of the day that's the major step like you know you can let everything else get in that like ben and i my best mate had been talking about our trip for years and years and years but you know it would always be one thing it'd be a job that we couldn't quite leave or a girlfriend that we couldn't quite you know finish up with or a family thing that we couldn't quite escape from or you know there was just always something and you can find excuses until the cows come home But there's no good reason to not explore more than what your own backyard has to offer. There's no reason compelling enough to make you stay. In the theme of travel,
travel lotto, our TTT was a little bit different this week. We thought that what we would do is we'd give you the chance to play your own travel lotto. So we chucked out three different destinations. We went with America, Bali, and Japan to see what we'd get. Okay, well, I got a few bites for Japan, that is, and some of them are a little bit cryptic. Some of them are not cryptic, but just like a one-liner, but I'll read out some some of the responses. All right, so I asked, what's the wildest thing that's ever happened to you in Japan? Fucked a hot Swedish boy in the showers. Ooh. <laughs> I'm into it. Yeah, so is Charlie. We've also got... <laughs> Um, Harajuku on a Saturday, that's the one that's a bit cryptic because he's, he's used the like, how do I describe it? The face where they're like. Oh, when it's kind of a smile but it's cringe. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like, he's got that emoji. So something shit happened but I don't have the details. <laughs> he didn't write back. Uh, I've got robot restaurant then drinking whiskey in a tiny death metal bar decorated with bloody dolls. Ooh. Whoa. That one's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so on, on the theme of weird bars and drinks, my favourite one is. Lady mixing a drink with a dildo. Oh. <laughs> I have a lot of questions. That's the same. But I've got that's, questions. That's all I've got for you. I don't, this is, sometimes it's nice if it just leaves a little bit to the imagination, you know. That's all I've got. No, that's extra. Charlie, what about that. you? What's happening in USA? So in USA, got a couple of bites. Uh, first one was being driven back to your hotel in the back of a random guy's van absolutely wasted at 3 a.m. in minus 15 degrees in a, in a country town in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm surprised that person's alive, but go on. Same. <laughs> uh, this I love this. Got invited to a sex party on Grindr. Obviously, Ooh. I said, did you go, though, with the eyes? And he came back and said, Everything's bigger in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is the best response. <laughs> what a legend. I was like, yes, this is so funny as well. Someone said, playing with squirrels at the Grand Canyon, and then there was a sign saying they had the Black Plague. <laughs> <laughs> smashed in DC and decided I wanted the taxi more than the people in it so I pulled them out (laughs) them I like that it's them like one at a time or were there kids involved you got multiple at the same time like what do you mean what did you say to them were you just like get out (laughs) yeah my taxi (laughs) this one's heavy actually someone said their sister went missing in San Fran Found in the hospital next day, twenty thousand US dollar bill later. Oh, hashtag travel insurance. I hashtag know. listen to our travel insurance. Wait, but what happened to the sister? How did she end up in hospital? I actually did ask. You want me to read it out? Yeah, it's not too yes. long. Yeah, yeah. Why not? I was very intrigued. It's pretty fucking heavy. She goes. She was an absolute trooper about it. She was a fresh twenty-one year old, and we were embarking on our first and last Kentucky tour in the US to celebrate. <laughs> One night in San Fran, we went to a piano bar. I decided to go back to the hotel and most of the group moved on to a nightclub. I woke up the next morning and she was missing. Had the absolute worst gut feeling about it. No one had seen her since the nightclub. The tour manager called every room in the hotel. People on the tour were staying in to see if she was in one. No luck. We then called every hostel in San Fran to see if she had ended up somewhere. No luck. At this point, I was practically having a meltdown in the middle of the lobby. To make me feel better, the tour guide was like, I'll call the hospitals just for peace of mind. First one we called, we found out she was there. I was able to speak to someone and they said someone dropped her off outside the hospital the night before and drove off. A few hours later, they released her and in she comes walking into the lobby with a massive grin on her face, an absolute mess with dried up vomit all in her hair and all over her. The first thing she said is, what a good travel story this is going to be. <laughs> Still has no idea what happened to this day, but thankfully nothing sinister. She received the hospital bill in the mail months and months later to this day. Still hasn't paid it and it's just gone away. It's been seven years now. <laughs> That's how it is. <laughs> um, okay, I have several thoughts. One, that's amazing because normally the hospitals won't discharge you until you pay the bill. So yeah. that's amazing. Secondly, I don't know how you deal with just having no clue how you ended up in hospital. Like that's like anxiety times a thousand for me. 
Yeah. Yeah, she did say, safe to say we've never separated on a night out ever again. Mm. Wise. And then obviously we asked about Bali and this is probably, I don't know why I find this so funny. It's kind of like you, MJ, with that squirrel one. I, this just cracked me up. <laughs> and the fact that this is the only response. I thought Bali was easy. I thought we'd get heaps, yeah? We got one response with Bali and this is all it is. My friend sat on a firecracker. <laughs> <laughs> That is hilarious. (laughs) That trumps the squirrel one for me. I love that one. Oh, (laughs) my friend sat on a firecracker. (laughs) Ow. So many questions. I'm with you, Sav. I love these like ominous one liners when you like really don't know what the fuck's happened, but (laughs) it's funny. Like, and you, and you, you want to (laughs) know. Yeah. No, honestly, I've had so much fun. Playing <laughs> travel. See you guys again sometime. All right, let's go. Bye, bye, Until next okay, bye, guys. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of One Night in Bangkok. If you have a crazy travel story, tell us about it. You can send us an email. Tell us at one night in or hit us up on Instagram at one night in BKK podcast. This podcast was born from our shared love of travel and everything it adds to our lives. Until next time, we'll leave you with a snippet of how travel has changed you. I love travelling because it just exposes you to something completely different than what you're used to seeing at home.